All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Quarterback Danny Johnson is in his sixth season with the Washington Commanders, and he's joining the fellas now, fresh off a 2017 win over the Pats on Sunday, and we are happy to have him here. Yeah, Danny, congratulations on the win. We appreciate the time this morning, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. No problem. So you guys get that win. You're obviously feeling good, uh, you know, coming in early to this week because of that. But I'm curious for you overall, as a guy who's been around this organization for a long time, you had a lot of changes this offseason with management up top, with the ownership in the organization here. We've seen and heard a lot of made of that. What's the experience been like for you as a player this year? Is there a different vibe around the building in Washington right now? Uh, for us, just as players, um, we just try to go in there, try to, you know, control the things that we control and just try to find ways to win. You know, the guys there, they come in to work every day, you know, ready to work regardless who's, you know, managing us. So I think that we keep that same mindset, you know, things are going to keep going up for us. So on the player side of it, and I, I agree with you, that's all you can control. What was the feeling when you actually saw a couple of players being traded away and Montez Sweat and Chase Young? It's like all of a sudden, wow, you know, a couple of our pass rushers are gone on this defense. Oh, man, it was it was crazy, especially, you know, just being around those guys. Uh, Tiz is a great guy. Chase is a great guy, um, you know, but unfortunately, you know, we know things like this can happen in this business any day. Um, just but for me, you know, just, you know, I used to talk to those guys every day. So just seeing them, you know, seeing them um, going, you know, it's kind of something that you have to get used to. But, you know, that was great guys. They were, they were, both of those guys were uh, great guys in that building. 
Chase talked about finding out on social media about the trade. How did you find out? How is that news delivered to you guys? Do you just find out from Adam Schefter like everybody else? Yeah, we found out from social I found out from social media as well. Just, you know, being on, as soon as you uh, grab my phone, you know, it just popped up um, and showed on social media. So that's how I found out as well. So Danny, what's the conversation going into the go building the next day after something like that, where this news hits and you mentioned from a player standpoint, you're focused on what you guys can do, but for Ron Rivera, how does he address that with you guys as a team when you've got personnel moves that are absolutely going to affect, you know, guys like you on the rest of that defense? Um, I mean, for us, it's just, you know, it's about the next guy, you know, just having opportunities. Uh, you know, I think that's how, you know, go from that, just, you know, telling guys, you know, they get a chance to play now. So, you know, just trying to step up and fill those shoes and go in and just, um, you know, show that they deserve to be there as well. So I think that was the biggest thing, just, you know, making sure guys knew that, you know, it was opportunities for other guys to get in there and play now. Yanni, let's talk about your journey out of Southern. You're undrafted to Washington in 2018. You've been there your entire career through the ups and downs of being released, practice squad, being re-signed. As you're going through all this, was there ever a time where you felt like, boy, this this just isn't working for me right now? Or And then what was that mental drive to keep you going? Um, it's, it's definitely, you know, sometimes it feel like, you know, you know, you're hitting that wall. But for me, it's just always had that drive of coming from a school like Southern University just to, to keep going no matter what. And I think the mental thing was just, you know, you know, knowing what I go out there and do it for. I go out there and do it for my family, you know, my kids. Um, and I just most mainly do it to just go out there so I can have fun. Um, and so I think that, you know, as long as I keep that mindset of just showing that I deserve to be here and no matter what, you know, I always try to find a positive in every opportunity that I get. And, you know, since I've been keeping that mindset, you know, I don't too much let things worry me. I just, you know, take the punches and keep rolling. How do you approach for a guy who's a veteran guy, but like you said, you came up as a, a player fighting for your place in this league when the team goes out and drafts a guy like Emmanuel Forbes who then you know struggles and part of those struggles get you more playing time. How do you approach a guy like that in the room, a young player in terms of are you a mentor? Are you helping that guy out in any way? What's your thought process on that? Uh, Emmanuel's like a brother to me. Um, you know, and I know, you know, people, you know, talked about what the, the struggles he had, but you know, he's just coming in, you know, he learned. Um, and for me, it's just always whatever I knew, I tried to give it to him, you know, tell him. Whatever I seen on the field, I just tried to help him out. And even when, you know, I started getting more playing time, he was the same way with me. And we just, like, kind of helped each other out. You know, I, it's things that I learned from him that he does and vice versa. But, you know, for me, and I'm, I'm just happy to see him back in there and I'm happy to see him, you know, finally getting his, his, his confidence back and going back in there and just having fun. Um, I think that's the biggest thing in the game. And, and a lot of us lose that sense, you know, just going out there and just have fun. And I think now, you know, he's back doing that. And like I said, for me, I've never been a, a bitter type of player. I just, I like to see everybody win. For me, whenever my number is called, whenever it's my opportunity, I just try to go in there and just, you know, <clears throat> make an impact for this team. So looking now <clears throat> forward, and, and for those wondering how, how a game week works, you know, it, it could differ amongst teams. You play the game Sunday, watch film and do a little lift on Monday, get Tuesday off and start the game plan on Wednesday. So we're not there yet for your game against Seattle, but I know – I always, even before the game plan, looked ahead to like the individuals, what as a D lineman, what offensive lineman I was going to be going against that week. So while your game plan isn't in yet, you know you have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So do you look ahead to the individuals and start kind of processing the game for yourself? I definitely do, um, especially once we wrap up a week, uh, you know, get that 24 hours to finish up that last game. I try to just look forward just to see who we got coming up as the next matchup. 
just to give me a you know a heads up and kind of already be looking forward into the film or when we get ready to go into our installs just to kind of already have some insight on, on what type of things i'll be getting is is there ever a thought when you're tackling dk metcalf to never go above the waist and tackle him low <laughs> Uh, I, I just know one thing, like when you tackle that guy, you got to be physical. You can't just go in there just grabbing at him. You got to make a, a physical tackle and make sure you get him down. <laughs> Danny, looking elsewhere around your guy's team, I know he's not your coach on your side of the ball, but a lot got made of Eric Bieniemy and his coaching style heading into the season for you guys as the offensive coordinator. From what you've seen around the building and talking to your offensive teammates about, what have your impressions of Eric Bieniemy been now during half a season with him in Washington? I just think that he just wants to get the best out of guys. Um, he pushes us every day. You know, he you know talks to all of us. Uh, and I think just, you know, for those guys, just he was just showing them he want to get everything out of them that he could. And I think he's doing a great job of that. And I think the guys are doing a great job of responding to it, just going out there every week and just regardless of what the scoreboard says, them guys are competing. Um, you know, we see that day in and day out. And I think that was just the biggest thing. You know, we're getting around the, the middle part of the season. So there's the, the physical part of the game, the mental part of the game. And I think I heard it correctly in the post-game locker room or your last win with Ron. Didn't he give you the we'll see you Wednesday uh, line, which which every single player loves to hear after a Sunday game? And, and just how that makes you mentally feel better. <laughs> oh, that makes you feel great. You know, everybody's waiting to hear those words. Yeah. Um, I, it just, it just gives you a time to get a head start and get your body back. Uh, just to, to try to feel better going into that week. Um, just to get a... Uh, jump start on your recovery. And I think those words, that, that's the biggest words you can hear after the win. <laughs> we'll see you Wednesday. The words, yeah, the three words that every player wants to hear over the course of this season. Uh, Danny, I want to get to something you've got coming up with your thanks, uh, Thanksgiving Turkey Day drive here soon. Really good work that you're going to be a part of doing here as we get closer and closer to the holiday season. But I want to ask you about a, a couple more guys on your team. I think Terry McLaurin goes probably one of the more underrated wide receivers year in, year out in the NFL. As a guy who's seen him in practice and gone up against him there and sees him around the building, what stands out to you about his game and why is he one of the best receivers in the league? I think that's the, the work that guy put in, puts in. Um, the same thing he does in the game is the same stuff Terry does at practice. And I think, you know, that's where it starts. Terry's very consistent. Um and, you know, he don't say much. He just go out there and just work. And, and that's the thing that I like about Terry. And he, do, he does that same thing and show that same thing on Sunday with just much more, way more energy. And I think, you know, for, for Terry to, to just be consistent like he's done, you know, over the uh, past couple of years and me just being able to watch him, I think, I think Terry's one of the top guys in this league. Terry and not saying much is not surprising there too and that's almost more frustrating I feel like when you get yeah. a guy that works quietly like that and goes out and is just giving guys buckets out there on the field what about your quarterback Sam Howell young guy getting his opportunity this year you know goes out there and plays like he's a bowling ball sometimes bouncing off dudes of opposing defenses here from going against him in training camp to what you've seen of him around the building now has Sam Howell made an impression on this locker room I think Sam definitely has the fire that Sam's played with. Um, Sam just go out there and he just try to get it done, you know, regardless of what happens. You know, look at the, for example, like the the run this past weekend, we needed that first down. He just, he grinded it out and went and got it. Um, you want that in your quarterback, you know, when stuff kind of breaks down. But And Sam just, you know, he commands that offense. He does a great job of, of running it. I think he, I really think he does. And just for him to just fight for those extra yards, you know, most quarterbacks kind of like, will go out of bounds, but Sam's one of those feisty guys, and he's going to try to get every inch that he possibly could. 
You know, at, at your position, I'm wondering, I think I know the answer to this, but, you know, I, do, I don't play the position. Is is the worry more of a wide receiver with speed or a wide receiver with physicality? Um, I, th- I think it's, I think sometimes, like, it's both. Uh, you know, some, they got some physical receivers in this game, but I think I think more so that, that speed, that's what you got to watch for. Uh, you know, they got they, these guys are running nowadays. Uh, you know, for example, look at like Miami team; they they are running. Them guys are running. So I think those guys that can stretch that field vertical, you know, you got to make sure you pay attention to a lot of those guys, especially having multiple with the way these guys get running the league. Um, you got to make sure you know you you challenging them, making sure you got the right technique because you know one false step can get you way behind with these guys. Is is there a frustration level amongst? I know I get it as a former player, former defensive player watching. I think the hardest uh, position to play is defensive back. The way the rules are now designed for the offense. Do you guys feel that way? Is it whether you guys talk about it or not? Do you feel that way on the field? I think we always have this conversation. I think I think it's the toughest position on the field, in my opinion. Um, And for one, I'm going backwards; they're going forward. And then, you know, (laughs) two, like you know, like you said, you know, it's so it's it's so it's so hard, you know, especially with the rules. You got to make sure, you know, not touching when the ball's in the air, you know, you don't get too much of hand fighting like you used to get. Um, so, like, I think that's the biggest thing, making sure you, like, turn your head when the ball is in the air just to get your head back and try to play through the hands. And, you know, so you got to kind of be smart with your technique nowadays. Is that the biggest difference of college for a DB? We, we always talk about college to pro is speed, but also in college you can have your hands on a receiver down the field, not when the ball is in the air, but down the field. Is that the biggest adjustment you guys have to make is you only have that five-yard area? And my, de- definitely, especially for me when I first came in, that was my biggest adjustment. You know, I was used to being able to put your hands on the receiver all the way down the field um, when you're impressed. And then when I got here, you know, I couldn't touch it down the field, um, especially once the ball is in the air. You know, so I had to figure out, like, what other techniques can I use once I touch you within five yards? How else can I, you know, just transition my eyes to the hip, making sure I'm following the break and stuff like that. And it made it more challenging, but, you know, I try to continue to just work in it, work with it, especially during the all season. That's why I feel like I got to had to put a lot of my work in because coming in that, that rookie year, you know, everything was going so fast. So you, it was you were learning, you were trying to adjust. And I think that was my biggest thing, like going into that all season after my first year. Was there a player you watched or a veteran you talked to to try and pick up some of those tools to use? Yeah, when I first got in, I used to watch guys like Fabian Monroe, Josh Norman, um, DJ Swearinger, Quinn Dunbar, guys like that, you know, that kind of taught me, like, the rules and ways they would go go about things. And, you know, I just try to use whatever techniques they have and, you know, kind of try to put it into my toolbox and use those things as well. Well, it's obviously paid off. It's been fun seeing all of your success on the field. Uh, Danny, we know off the field, you got something coming up here on Thanksgiving Turkey Day drive around the holidays. We know this is an important time and a difficult time for a lot of people. So why is this something that you wanted to get involved in? And what can you tell people about your fourth annual turkey drive? Uh, For me, this is something I wanted to get involved in. You know, I know going around times like this, you know, and especially me just being a a guy that was at home, um, you know, being playing ball at Southern and Baton Rouge, I was able to go home. And, you know, a lot of times you see people and they, a lot of people aren't in our situation to be able to, to afford things coming around the holidays. So I just try to get in and to just get involved and just show people that I, I really care. I really care about, you know, what people went through in my area, what they go through. And I just try to help as many people as I could. So I try to put on as many events as I possibly could, you know, just to give back to the community, whether it's, you know, adults, whether it's kids, whatever. Um, and for me, I just want to show people, you know, I appreciate the support that they've given me. And I just want to give back, all, you know, all the blessings that God has bestowed upon me.
Oh, that, that that's great to hear when you have uh, the, the stage that you have to be able to give back like that and help so many people. It's a very cool thing. All right, a couple of questions about Thanksgiving. Outside of turkey, if there is a different meat on the mm. table, what would you want it to be? Oh, outside of turkey. Uh, I, I think I, I like I like ham. I have to have ham as well. Uh, I, and I, I like the, the glazed ham, so I, I yep. think I, I'll go with that. Great answer there. Next, best side dish on your Thanksgiving table? I like rice dressing. I mean, I, I really like dressing. Mm, okay. There I'm with go. that, too, and the cut-up sausage now. in there as well. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And the most important one here, what's the best Thanksgiving dessert? Peach cobbler. Peach cobbler. Ooh, interesting. Wow. Okay. Peach cobbler. All right. Wow. Up, up, upset, upsetting, upsetting pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie on the table. That's yeah, interesting. See, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a big pie guy, so that's why I think I'll take the peach cobbler. See, that would work well if we were at the same table because I'm not a peach cobbler guy, so you could have mine and I would take your <laughs> pumpkin pie and we would both be happy. <laughs> that'll, work out, that'll work out perfect for me. <laughs> there we go. Danny Johnson, welcome at our Thanksgiving table yep. any day. Great work he's doing with the Thanksgiving Day Turkey Drive. Make sure you check that out. Again, trying to give back around where he came from in Louisiana. Danny, thanks so much for the time. Best of luck to you the rest of the season. Stay healthy and we hope everything continues to go well for you. Thank you, and I appreciate you guys for having me. Thanks, Danny. No problem. Awesome stuff. Again, that turkey drive coming up November 18th in Jackson, uh, Louisiana there. And, uh, Dad, uh, you know, certainly great answers there. Wasn't ready for Peach yeah. Cobbler on there. I wasn't Didn't want to get into the debate about pumpkin and sweet potato pie, but we can save that for another day. We still got time before the big dance. Yeah, we can. Neither you or I are big fruit guys with our dessert, though I do like apple pie. You don't really like any fruit. And I'm just an apple guy. I'll go with pumpkin or sweet potato any day of the week. But Danny Johnson is such a great story. You know, from Southern, three-year starter there, played in the Senior Bowl. First, uh, um, what was he, the first uh, player from Southern uh, to play in the Senior Bowl, I think, in 23 years. But just the times he was cut, re-signed, practice squad. You know, there's, there's, got, there's that mental drive, you know, and, and physical drive of saying, okay, do I keep going? How much do I keep going? And then it kind of timed well for him. As you mentioned, they brought in Emmanuel Forbes, a top pick who was struggling. So he got benched. And there's, you know, Danny all of a sudden getting more time. And, you know, it starts to work out for you. It's pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive, Dad. You mentioned timing, though. Jesse, we've got some interesting injury timing around the NFL right now as there are some quarterbacks and teams that are getting bad news and one team that looks like they might get a look at their guy for the first time all season long. What can you tell us? Yeah, so Daniel Jones, unfortunately, an MRI on Monday confirmed their fears that he has a torn ACL in his right knee. He's going to miss the remainder of the season so as you can see, we have some comparisons here about his last two seasons. Uh, a, a huge loss for the Giants. You know, not good at all. Other quarterback news, though. Dobbs and Heineke are expected to start in Week 10. And Kyler Murray, guys, expected to start if all goes well this week. Yeah, this is really going to be the interesting one, Dad. Obviously, terrible for the Giants, who are now going to be in a really difficult spot if their team continues to be as bad as they've been, yeah. of if you are within range of one of the top draft prospects, should the Daniel Jones money next year, which dead cap-wise would be in the $60 million yeah. range, 
is that prohibitive of you going and turning the page in the way I believe you should? And the Cardinals, who a lot of people looked at in the same position after trading Josh Dobbs at the deadline, you start Clayton Toon last week, your rookie out of Houston, and get blanked. And now with Kyler Murray coming back out here now, it's interesting, Dad, because you worry about the injury guarantee money yes. that potentially in his contract going forward because you're not sure what his future with the organization looks like. I mean, you look at a couple of teams, Chicago, you're not sure with Justin Fields, two wins. Arizona, like you said, not sure with Kyler, one win. Carolina's one win, but they're set there. The Giants, I agree. And the Giants are sitting there at, what, two wins, and but had paid Daniel Jones. So I, I don't know where that'll go. As you mentioned, I think we looked at the dead cap hit. It was like 68 or $69 million. The Kyler Murray one, to me, is a little surprising, Mike. I thought they were just going to sit him. His injury, for those that, that don't know, his if he gets hurt and can't pass a physical in March, he would be guaranteed, I think, 29 to $30 million. So there's always, when there's that injury guarantee, a lot of times, if you're not going to have that guy down the road, you don't play him for risk of the injury and having to be guaranteed that money. It looks like he's going to be on the field because we all feel like they're going to make a move at the quarterback position at the end of the year. So this will, maybe they're not, who knows? We'll wait and see. But uh, th this was an interesting one. I didn't think Kyler Murray was going to see the field this year. And boy, the backdrop for comparison, which is always the thief of joy in this game is staggering because Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals are taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Why is that important? Because this is the same Atlanta Falcons team that just lost to Josh Dobbs, who was learning his yeah. teammates' names on the sidelines in Minnesota this past weekend. And so if that guy can go out and get it done, and Kyler Murray can't, no amount of context is going to save you from the discourse that follows after that. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it. And I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road. And so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust and it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to Seed.com slash Gojo and use code 25GOJO to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25GOJO.
right, we've got to celebrate a very important day in history coming up in a second. We do superlatives for the NFL on Tuesdays, but today is going to have a little bit of extra holiday spirit for reasons that we will get to in just a second. But I was shocked, stunned yesterday as we had a new Ben Affleck meme hit the internet, or so I thought yesterday when we got done with the show, as a picture of Ben Affleck was all over my timeline, once again looking miserable, contemplating existence, (laughs) and doing it while holding a Starbucks coffee cup here. And seeing this, knowing the relationship that Ben Affleck has personally and professionally with the folks over at Dunkin', I was sounding the alarms. I thought for sure Duncan headquarters was going to be on crisis lockdown mode. They're trying to figure out how they can spin this. And Jesse, you come out of nowhere with, I think, the most important breaking news and context in all of this here, that this is, in fact, an old photo. Captured from 2014. So this image is nearly a decade old before so much was, before the memes of, you know, Ben Affleck holding the Dunkin' Donuts cups went super viral and he sort of started his partnership with Dunkin'. He's always been a Dunkin' guy, but like prior to that relationship really becoming a monetary thing, I I would guess he probably would have been spotted here and there with other coffees. But yeah, this photo is from 2014. So we don't need to worry about there being a fractured relationship between Ben Affleck and Dunkin' Donuts. Wow, that was that was a scary thing. I thought, uh oh, this is this is going to destroy the internet here and, and and be talked about a lot. But uh, there there's some myth busting right there. There we go. People still like rode with it and have been. It's been going viral. Oh, sure. But it yeah. was pretty hysterical yeah. to see. It's me. I am people. I <laughs> rode with it. Had complete ignorance of the situation here and just decided to let a couple of tweets fly because Ben Affleck, much like we talked about with Rob Sala, who's just walking meme potential, Ben Affleck has been the poster for that, especially when it comes to misery, for a long time. Oh, All right, how about this? Always. How about, how about this conspiracy theory? His publicist put that picture out because his he has an expiring contract with Dunkin' Donuts. Ooh. Huh? Huh? Chestnut, uh, chestnut checkers, how about, baby. How is about his, that, huh? Is his new PR person Tree, Taylor Swift's team? Because that would make oh, sense. Yes. That would. He's about, to, he's about to kick his feet up on the table and go, retainer, <laughs> and shout it at the Duncan people until they realize it's time to pay up. All right, guys, uh, it's time to get to more important news and an anniversary that we got today, Jesse, in honor yes. of our NFL superlatives. Yeah, I got to be honest. When I read this, I was like, that's not true. That can't be. I'm not that old. <laughs> um, Elf was released 20 years ago wow. today. Two zero years ago. I don't even feel like I've been alive for that long. Um, makes us feel very old, obviously. So let's do a mid-season superlatives Elf style, okay? And I just want you to know, for the actual anniversary of the movie, November 7th, okay, there's going to be some extra special celebrations happening in New York City, which is pretty dang cool. So the Empire State Building is going to be lit up with a green and yellow light in honor of Elf. That's how big of a cultural impact this movie has made. So... Uh, let's get to these midseason superlatives. The first one is a player who's making teams look stupid for passing on him in the 2023 draft, the Cotton-Headed Nitty Muggins Award. Why don't you just say it? I'm the worst toy maker in the world. I'm a Cotton-Headed Nitty Muggins. Uh, well, I am deeply oh. disturbed by my <laughs> elf graphic there. 
and the fact that he could talk science your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could they never thought about if they should uh dad this the player who's making teams look stupid i would say this it's easy to look at a guy like puka nakua who was a name that no one really knew coming into this season i know you've been high on cj stroud the number two overall pick that the panthers didn't choose but i would look at that and still say the circumstances are so different. I still am not sure if you had C.J. Stroud at the Panthers, given the limitations of their right, offense right. right now, it would look this good. Jalen Carter even feels like a tough one there, but that's probably where I would lean, Dad. Obviously, so much of that in the pre-draft was based on things off the field that happened for him, and so I'm not going to slight teams too much, but I'm sure there's a part of a team like the Seattle Seahawks, as happy as they are with their first-round pick, that still look at this and their pass rush needs and realize this could have been a really happy marriage. Yeah, and, and I'd lean to Puka Nakua. Again, even their own his own team passed on him a few times, obviously. Uh, to be to go th- this late in the draft, but still to have a talent like that. And it's not like I think, Mike, he only would have thrived with the Rams. It seems that he some guys just come in and get it. Some guys just come in and fit, you know, right off the bat in the NFL. And he seems like a guy that just got it. You know, he's sitting there, what, fourth in the league, I think, in, in receiving yards. Um, and as far as receptions, he's right near the top. Uh, as well as uh, he's four, yeah, he's tied for fourth in that as well. So I think he would have been a guy that would have got it in a lot of different offenses around the league. And this is just one of those that was was kind of a miss. Certainly a miss here, not a miss. This movie. Let's get to our next superlative. Uh, talking about a team that could have been good, but between a combination of bad luck, bad decisions, and injuries, wound up where they were. What do we got here? Sorry. I ruined your lives and crammed 11 cookies into the VCR. Now, Dad, coming <laughs> off of last night, the recency bias answer would probably be a team like the Jets. But I'm yes. going to go the Raiders just because it came from so many angles at this organization. You've got an owner with a heinous bowl cut. You hired a head coach that was once again showed you in the past he probably wasn't cut out for this and then came in and confirmed that in the organization. Clearly was despised by a lot of the players. And you went and spent money on a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo that's now sidelined with some of the same injury worries that almost delayed your signing to begin with. So a a lot of errors from a lot of angles for this Las Vegas Raiders team you get to see this weekend. Yeah, the, the easy one here is the Jets, but I'll go a different place as well because one of the things you deal with in the NFL is when you pay somebody a lot of money, the salary cap implications. And you had a guy that Pete Carroll had no problem letting go from Seattle or getting rid of him in Seattle, and the Denver Broncos pay him a ton of money, uh, and that's Russell Wilson who has not played anywhere near like we've seen him play in Seattle uh, at all, and they're stuck uh, with this contract for a bit. So this was one, I think it was a head-scratcher at the time, maybe not Denver trading for him, but giving him the money that they gave him, and it certainly is not working out. All right, let's wrap this up by doing some self-scouting here and getting to the team player situation that we were most wrong about to start the season. Play the hits. You sit on a throne of lies. 
your beard. My beard does actually smell like beef and cheese, so I beef resemble yeah. that yeah. remark. Um, Dad, the Throne of Lies I sat on was pretty easy here. We've got the clip, yeah. actually, from the show that we did outside of Arrowhead Stadium before the first game of the NFL season, doing our spiciest takes, which is a reminder for the context of this. It was supposed to be spicy, but this one was spicy and very wrong here. Play me being an idiot. I'm going to say my spicy take is Bryce Young goes over 4,000 yards this year. Over wow. becomes, becomes one of a handful of quarterbacks. Passing to or that. total? Passing. Wow. Passing yards okay. this year. We're talking about Andrew Luck. We're That's talking spicy. about Justin Herbert. That's spicy. We're talking about Cam Newton back in the day. I think Cam became the first quarterback. So I'll come full circle and say, I don't know if he breaks Cam's. I think Cam was 4,051 yards, uh -huh. but he's going to be within range of that this year. I remember sitting there, too, thinking, man, I could say C.J. Stroud for this and didn't. And, boy, that would have been cool to have been that right that early on here, Dad. So do you have anything that dumb? Not really. I was pretty much right on everything I've said, which is pretty much how it's been for my 20, 25 years in this business. I've been right all the time. So I, I don't really have one. I mean, could you think of anything I've been wrong about? Or are you disgusted with how right I am all the time? No, it's got to be tough having nailed so many things like the rise of Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City for the yeah. Chiefs. And no way questioning Andy Reid's decision-making there, them taking uh, Alex Smith, who had been a playoff quarterback off the field there. You never would have questioned that move. No idea what you're talking about. Absolutely none at all. But by God, what, what, what a great movie Elf is. I mean, they're, they're re-releasing it in theaters again. If, you, if anybody has not seen it, Go watch it. One of the great movies all time. And I'm not afraid to say something like that. To, Je to Jesse's point about how old it makes me feel, the most interesting part about Elf was that it almost immediately came in and made itself a part of Christmas canon, which you know for this particular genre, content-wise, hard stuff to do. Now it's been around long enough to just be canon in general. All right, so we got an early start on the holiday conversation in thanks uh, in some part to conversation that we had earlier in the show with Danny Johnson, Washington Commanders cornerback, who's doing a great job with his Thanksgiving turkey drive. Then we had the news, Elf is 20 years old as of today. It's one year away from being able to take its first legal sip. And then it got us into discussion. Jesse, you are a one-time parent, about to be a two-time parent, but... Your daughter right now is old enough to start to take in a lot of the different holiday traditions. And Elf on the Shelf, to me, seems like a very controversial one in the parent community right now. You said you're going to go through with the Elf on the Shelf, right? Yes, but we're not doing the Elf on a Shelf where the Elf is like a spy for Santa Claus who's watching you and monitoring your behavior. Because apparently that's a thing parents do. They're like, oh, the elf is here, and if you're bad, he's going to tell Santa, and then you won't get presents. So, no, we're not going to do that. I just think it would be fun and cool, and she would think it was great if we take the elf, and, you know, every night you hide it somewhere new, and you set up a little scene, and it'll just be like, oh, what did the elf get up to last night while we were sleeping? But it's not going to be like, the elf is watching you. Oh, I just realized on, now, on. if you're a family in Big Ten country and you don't put sunglasses and a Central Michigan hat on your elf <laughs> and have yeah. Connor the <laughs> elf watching out, looking for signs around your home, you are not a real Big Ten football fan, and I would question True. everything about you. <laughs> that, that's well done. And, and, and oh Jesse, we God. were the opposite. 
we, we had our we had to make our kids live in fear. We didn't have Elf on a shelf. We didn't do that then. But we always said Santa's watching. Santa sees everything. Everything you do, it's parents. We don't have to see it. Uh, what you're doing when nobody's watching, but Santa sees it. So you're going to be on the nice list or the naughty list. So, so we. There was that little bit in there. So this is what I, I heard a parent this weekend for the first time check their kid with that. I was at the checkout counter yep. somewhere. I think it was at like a Walgreens. And the parent next to me was trying to corral their kid. And they said, Santa's watching. Yep. And I saw Absolutely. that cold shiver go down yep. their spine. <laughs> so what I will say, what I will say, and I say this to my mom all the time, is like your gener every generation does the best they can with the information that they have, right? That's just how it is. Like you do your best with the information at the time. My generation now has like child psychology studies. We like understand the effect of some of these things on children as they develop and stuff like that, which my parents did that to me too. All of our parents did, but like not great for kids. To be like, someone's watching you, and if you're bad, you're a bad person, and Santa won't bring you presents. Like, yeah. Is, is that so bad? I mean, all I got to say is, all I got to say is, my son Mike is ready for the apocalypse, right? It's prepared him in a way that if, if the end is coming, he is ready, he is ready to defend himself. Good. Good. Ah. Dear God, ah. for more talk about the psychological effect of holiday parenting here, we're delighted to now welcome in 49ers offensive tackle Matt Pryor, who joins us right now. Matt, are you a big holiday guy, either for Thanksgiving, Christmas, anything like that? Do you get into the season? Uh, normally, no. I mean, of course, Thanksgiving, because, you know, everybody loves the, the Thanksgiving food. But uh, I just have my first kid this year, so, you know, I'm looking forward to the holidays and, you know, kind of starting our own little agenda every year. So I'm wondering. There we go. Congratulations. Because I did this. Mike, and Mike my son here, is my oldest. And we always said, man, we're not going to buy kids all these gifts. You know, we're just going to get them some, some gifts. <laughs> and I have three kids now, Matt, and we buy them everything. We bought them everything in the world. There were more gifts that they needed. Are, are you doing that? Are you trying to go down the road of we're not going to buy a lot, but you know damn well you will? Uh, yeah, man, I have a daughter, so, you know, I'm going to spoil her. Uh, but yeah, I got, I already got shopping carts and stuff, uh, picked out for the year. Um, I try, I try to hold out on buying anything. Uh, my girl gets mad at me, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm spoiling her, man. Matt, do you know who Miss Rachel is yet? Yeah. 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 It's kind of part of the routine. Uh, you know, we wake up in the morning. She gets her little 30 minutes while we get food ready or drink our coffee. And then, uh, you know, she, she's in there clapping or, you know, just jumping around in her bouncer. So, yeah, I know Miss Rachel very well. Uh, songs are on repeat in my head. Yeah, they are. And by the way, yeah. and, and everybody should understand, Miss Rachel will, will end up being her net worth more than any football player who has ever played yeah. this game. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man, yeah. You, you it's insane how much uh, people make off, you know, kid entertainment. Uh, you know, you got kids uh, doing, uh, you know, breakdown on toys on YouTube, and they're making millions off of that. So, that yeah, that's, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> 
it is an absolutely wild time to be alive right now and then we got guys like matt Pryor going out here putting his body on the line so that he can provide for his family right now so miss rachel's singing matt Pryor's trying to block guys out here and matt listen we know for you guys in the 49ers it's been a tough stretch of games here what's the mentality in the locker room right now what are you guys talking about as you try and bounce back from these last three uh man uh we treat it the same like in season you know it's a one week uh one week season and you know that's how we try to treat it uh and you know we're, we're going into this week uh the same we've gone into every game uh you know we, we just got to go one and zero. um you know obviously uh mentalities might be different just coming off three losses but you know we, we try to keep it uh steady you know not too high not too low so along those lines, so, so nothing has changed from the meeting standpoint to a workout to practice standpoint. Everything has just stayed the same. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, th- th- one of these are one of the. You know, I've been on three different teams, and you know, here it's uh, when it comes down to practice. You know, every, everything's kind of uh, game intensity wise. Uh, you know, but now nothing, nothing's changed from meetings to to practice. You know, same intensity. Uh, you know, and each game, uh, you know, coach talked about it comes down about three or four game, uh, three or four plays. And, you know, we, we watch film and we see the plays that, you know, we didn't get to capitalize on, and which, you know, led to a couple losses. So, you know, we're, we're just going to improve on the little fundamental things. You mentioned game intensity in practice. Did that pick up even more when you guys acquired Chase Young? What was it like seeing yet another monster added to that D yeah. line that you get to <laughs> practice against every day? Um so yesterday we had a little 50 minute practice, you know, just helmets. Uh, so, you know, we, I seen him get off the ball, you know, and, and you know, he, I've, I played against him a couple when I was in Philly and, you know, he, he's a big dude, uh, you know, and he, he can, he can finesse off the edge some, uh, but you know, we haven't really gone head to head yet. That'll be Wednesday, Thursday. So, you know, I won't know to them. Looking forward to that. Are you still doing? Cause I know in the league now there's only like 14, padded practices during the year do you guys still jump into full pads i know it's only halfway through the season or or is it is uh, it lightened a bit no nah, thir- thursday so it's, it's weird here uh normally padded practices for me would be wednesdays but we do it thursdays here so it's a little bit different but uh yeah we're, we're, we're still going uh thursdays and pads as far as i know so you know i'm, I'm just enjoying what i can do yeah <laughs> So, all right, only about a minute left here, Matt. I want to ask you in your position room, obviously, for you guys, Trent Williams being banged up has been a huge loss in the last couple of games. What's the most impressive thing about Trent Williams' game from your mind as one of his peers in the offensive line room? Uh, man, I say his mentality, man. Uh, that and, you know, his his, his explosive power. And the dude's quick, man. He's nimble. Uh, but I, I say his mentality and just, you know, the – the way he plays, he, he he's an older vet, you know, so he and, you know, he hasn't really lost a step, but he, he finesses uh, on plays. You know, he, he does little tricks and stuff in the secondary or, you know, on the D-line. Uh, so, yeah, man, he, he, he it's fun to watch him, you know, up in person. So, yeah, do you man, even try just, uh, any of that stuff that he pulls off in his game or do you just <laughs> say that's just Trent and he got to do that? No, nah, I give it a shot, but, you know, it, it, he, he's done it for so long. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm just starting to try to work some stuff into my regimen. So, yeah, man, uh, dude, yeah, it, it's phenomenal to watch him out there, uh, you, you know, and just see how he prepares. Well, it's a, a great team with a ton of great players, and uh, I have no doubt going to get back on track for you guys here really soon. Matt, thank you so much. Uh, hope you and Damn. your daughter enjoy the holiday season coming up. Best <laughs> of luck for the rest of the year. Appreciate it, man. Thank you.
Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. All right, y'all. Awesome uh, stuff. Well, I mean, Dad, he meant he mentioned having a baby girl that he's going to spoil yep. right now. You're getting ready to yep. welcome a granddaughter into the world here pretty soon oh. with my sister. So I hope you're taking notes. I'll spoil. We'll spoil her worse than we spoiled Sydney. God help us all for that one. Boy, and that is saying an awful lot. Back to finish up the show next year. It's Gojo Nolan. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, guys, time to finish off the day with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off on into the rest of the day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out live here Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, a bunch of other places as well. And if you missed any of our great guests like Washington Commanders DB Danny Johnson or 49ers offensive lineman Matt Pryor, who we just had on with us, make sure you go and check that out wherever you get your podcast or right here on youtube after we get done with this show live guys let's get to this that the third we're a little baseball making waves right now the cubs out here money slapping our boy in notre dame's very own craig council who will join the cubs as their new manager the cubs in a kind of awkward handoff announced the firing of world series winner david ross who had been their manager for some time now as they hired craig council on monday to a record-setting bag five years and 40 million dollars that dad also had the milwaukee brewers the team that he was departing feeling some type of way about that yeah his contract expired in milwaukee on the 31st a lot of people thought he would end up back there or maybe with the mets uh but he ends up with the cubs going for eight mil a year The previous high average annual value for a manager was Terry Francona with the Guardians at four and a half million. So the Cubs absolutely money whipped a guy uh, who who before that, when Ross was the manager, Ross should have known it was over when this happened. On October 2nd, Tom Ricketts, the owner of the Cubs, said about Ross, he's our guy. Right then, that's when you put your house up for sale, right? That's yeah. when you, you you just you get the real estate agent and say, okay, we're going to be out of here. And sure enough, that's what happened. So congrats to the ND grad, Craig Council, and getting that bag. Yep, uh, absolutely there. And I, by the way, shorted David Ross, two-time World Series champion. Yes. But you're right. I did love this quote from Brewers owner Mark Ant, uh, Adanasio that said, we lost Craig, but I've reflected on this, you know. Craig has lost us, and he's lost our community. And it's a really special play to be is the exact thing that you say when you lost the breakup. But also, like, what a we like, of course he's going to take that is an obscene amount of money. You can't, like, you know, 
say, oh, man, like, oh, geez. He re-. It's a, like you said, it's when you lose the breakup, that's what you say. Well, we didn't even, we didn't even want him. He's lost so, us, and he's going to regret and, this. And what we don't know, I don't know, if did Milwaukee counter? Did they have an offer? Again, his contract expired with them October 31st. Uh, his previous salary was making three and a half million a year. He's more than doubled that. Imagine that. More than three and a half mil to eight mil a year. Man, it's a, it's a, not only a happy Craig Council, but a happy Craig Council family. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's eating off that plate right yep. now. So congratulations to Craig Council and the Cubs. Uh, now the chorus of replies that I've seen from Cubs fans, like my friend, uh, former colleague Sarah Spain, is, all right, we see you got money. Now let's see you spend some of that on players here going forward and get back in this thing. Uh, Jesse, let's get to that. Um, an NFL transaction coming with one of the weirder caveats I've seen in quite some time. Yeah, so Blake Martinez is allegedly back in the NFL. Uh, he left to start his own Pokemon business, okay? And this Pokemon business was reportedly generating $11.5 million in sales by selling breaks on a platform called WhatNot. It all came crashing down earlier this year, though, okay? So a comprehensive investigation by WhatNot found misconduct on Martinez's part. So now he's like, all right, well, I guess I got to fall back on the NFL, reportedly signing with the Panthers here. Guys, not a bad fallback plan. And Gojo, it sounds like this is this Pokemon scheme is something you would have liked to have been involved in. Man, I tell you what, fascinating to watch the way this played out over Pokemon cards. Like, I remember ripping kids off at the bus stop back in the day. I got over so bad on some kid for a holographic Charizard that his mom came out to chastise me at the bus stop, and I told her that all sales were final and that she needed to go talk to her son about being less of an idiot. That's a you him problem, not. not a me you problem. Did, not. did you really I had to say let her that know. to her? Absolutely. Yep. I'm not it's not my job to parent her dumb son. <laughs> you said that to her. How old were you when you said that to her? Mike, I know you and I don't imagine I don't I don't know you saying that. He that said it. I was in the fourth I was in the fourth grade. Do you think I said that? This is like when parents make up profound quotes from their three year olds. It's like my daughter looked at me last night and said the world doesn't need to be the way it is. Yeah. We can all choose to be better as she put her binky in. Hell no, I didn't say that stuff. So, no, he probably so, cried okay. and he he gave he gave the the money back and, and did you, yeah. yes. I didn't did give you, the card back. I will say didn't. that all trades okay. were final and I just denied, okay. denied, denied. Okay, fair okay, enough. all right. So so you, you did it that way. That's cool. I, I just wondered. You know, I I didn't think you reversed the sale. No. No, definitely didn't reverse the scale. Um, Blake Martinez has not uh, commented publicly or explicitly on what went on. All he said was, quote, I never wanted to make this feel like a scam. And so uh, maybe this comeback is tied to making sure that you have the money to pay for legal fees that could be mounting up at this point, because this doesn't sound like something you do without getting sued. All I have to say is I have no idea what selling breaks on a platform called WhatNot is. I have zero idea what that is. All I know is we had a bunch of Pokemon cards growing up, and you've, you've chastised your mother over and over publicly time and yeah. time again for her getting rid of the it. Pokemon cards. I don't know what this was, but as we said, as Jess said, he was making 11.5 mil uh, in sales on that. So back playing football again, back to the grind of being sore on Mondays instead of just selling Pokemon cards and making money. Not a bad fallback plan, though. So. Yeah.
yeah, yeah. I, my, uh, my lifelong dream of ripping off people with Pokemon cards is crashed and burned. I must go back to my second passion. Assaulting grown men legally on the football field <laughs> with my body. What a time to be alive. Uh, Going to be very interesting to watch and see if he goes out there now and what kind of chirps would be associated with being in the Pokemon card. Honestly, I wonder if he'll get other guys because he's not the only guy that's a card-carrying nerd around the NFL. Right. And I say that right. as a term of endearment. We see plenty of guys that are into, you know, Magic the, Ga Magic the Gathering or play any of those, like, MMORPG games and stuff like that. So I'm sure he'll have company. I wonder if he'll have people that have questions. And maybe much like we saw saw Billy McFarlane rise from the ashes of Firefest. Maybe we haven't seen the last of Blake Martinez just yet. We will wait and see. Uh, Jesse, though, let's get to the third right now, because sometimes we hear the phrase all the time, it be your own people. I'm amazed how often professional athletes' children's openly shade their fathers or mothers in favor of better players on the court. Yeah, so in this case, it's A.J. Brown's nephew. So A.J. Brown having, you know, an absolutely historic season, crushing it, but he took to Twitter to say, my nephew favorite player, Justin Jefferson. LOL, it be your own family. Gonna see if Jet get him something for Christmas because I'm not. So he's basically <laughs> saying, okay, if that's your favorite, if that's your favorite player, then let's see if he gets you a good Christmas present because I'm not doing it. Honestly, chestnut checkers move right here get to pawn that off right now should have tagged justin jefferson because while i know justin jefferson's trying to get back on the field he's got a lot of other things going on here who can say no to that plea from a kid and then you get justin jefferson to actually outsource your christmas gift here and so aj brown comes up the winner because i'm sure jj will break him off something nice oh for sure so, so i i can't get on you and your brother jake because when my career ended mike you were four and jake was three so that's not really the time to ask who your favorite football player is i would have hoped at that point you would just said dad because you didn't really know any better but i'll ask you this since you got into this business who has been your favorite talk show host or broadcaster yeah i mean listen there's no doubt like the way I've modeled my game, obviously, the name that I've carried with this, it all definitely leans to my favorite broadcaster, Stu Gotts. I mean, the guy's been like a father to me ever since I joined this media game here. He took me under his wing. He showed me the ways of the world. I really consider myself the Stu Gotts Jr. of sports talk even now that we're both at the DraftKings Network. It's He's really been an important figure in my life. I can't possibly thank him enough for everything he's helped giving me, going all all the way back to our days of the 28-hour fantasy marathon at ESPN. It'd be your own family. It'd be your own family. I've uh, I've enjoyed this time with you, Mike, and our time seems to have ended now that you stuck the knife in and twisted it yep. as well. Wow. It's weird. Sometimes Stu Gatz, he pulls me in close. We embrace his little sausage fingers, and I slowly whisper, Dad, and he whispers, Son, in my ear, and it really cements the bond. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.